This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. It may look different where you are, but if we let us, the Spirit uh, still wants to fill us with joy today. And um, we don't, we always get a chance to say it, but we just feel it even say it again today, how much we love you, our church. Love you, so thankful for you. The effort, the sacrifice, the commitment to navigate with us. And um, even today is another navigation of, uh, of challenges and news and snow and um, restrictions. And I wanna let you know before I start preaching today, just to give you some thought in why we make the decisions we make and how we make them. And I uh, just wanna give you some clarity today. Um, when we make decisions as a church, it's never, never based on fear. It's never based on fear. We make decisions as a church. This is how it goes in our mind as a leadership. We make it based on our dream team. Our dream team are the, um, the dozens and dozens and dozens of people that really say, I just don't want to attend and enjoy it. I actually want to give my life to make it happen. And they are a special bunch. And it is an open door for anybody to join us on the dream team, but we have so many amazing people. So we make a decision based on the effort they're gonna to need to pull off what we decide, also what's safe, what's healthy, also what's good for their spirit, their families, and their lives. So we really base a lot off the dream team. We don't want to drive them into the ground with hard work. We want to partner together and believe for a moment. So we always look at the dream team and go, what can they handle? What are they up for? Um, and we respect not just their talents and their sacrifice, but we want to respect their health. So we make it based on the dream team. The other thing we make it based on is our church family. Those are the people maybe that aren't part of the dream team, but they're so much a part of our church and so generous and so faithful. Uh, and they come and enjoy and attend and are a part and what's good for them. And we also make it based on our ability to influence and reach our city. And during this whole time, we have never gone inward going, what's good for our comfort, our dream team, our leadership and our church. We have maintained the unity of, we need to reach people and help people. And I think people have asked me across the country, what do you attribute uh, the unity of Nova in this season? And a large part of it is, is our maintaining the focus of outward to help more people. Um, so that goes into it. Influence our, our city for Jesus is a big factor. And lastly, I would say what goes into our decisions is to be true to the Word of God. And those things come together to really factor our decisions. And we wrestle, we wrestle. Or as my father would say, we wrestle with these decisions often and always. So we try to be true to that. Um, that also, when we make decisions, that, that also involves following government guidelines. And we are a church that believes we're here to uh, help our city, partner with local officials, and that means to follow government guidelines, and we do our best to do that. The only time we will not do that is when it goes against God's word. And to date, we feel like it has not gotten to that point. Uh, worship and gathering is problematic, but it's not impossible. It's problematic, but it's not impossible. And until it's impossible and there's um, statements made and regulations made or decisions made that make it impossible to worship God, we will have conversations and we will make decisions. Um, but don't mistake problematic for impossible. It's challenging to have church. It's challenging to gather in homes. It's challenging to tune in. It's challenging to 
um, maintain your faith. It's not impossible. And um, one thing I know is we're up for a challenge. So we do our best to help our city, partner with government officials, and, and keep true to the word of God. Uh, last thing I want to say on this topic before I unpack God's word today, and that's what we're here for, that's what we focus on, is church, I just want you to be aware of motives, of voices in your life. I want you to be aware of motives. The, the motive behind a voice is more important than many times the words that come out or the message from a voice. Mainstream media, their motive is views and clicks. It is. And um, most COVID stories in this season have a fear-based headline. I was even reading this week, the story was actually fairly positive, but the headline was trying to cause you to click. You just need to know that. You need to know that their goal is not always to inform, it, it is to get viewership. And if you know that m motive, it will help you understand voices. You need to know the motive behind voices. Government this week, through press conference, said they were okay with large case numbers being reported. They said, we've shifted now because of this variant and um, we're living with COVID. And they actually said, the government said, they're okay with living with large case numbers. They're now focusing now, not on case numbers, but on severe cases and hospitalizations. And in fact, they said, symptoms are so mild with this new variant, it could be mistaken as the common cold. That is good news. Um, so they said, we, we don't want to focus on case numbers that we're reporting them and we're getting tested. We want to focus on severe cases. And because of that, they, they have not shut down church. They have not uh, shut down gatherings at this point. And um, social media would have you believe, even today as we report record number of cases, social media would have you believe that the sky is falling and want to induce panic. And the sky is not falling. falling. It's not. It's not. So I just wanna just caution you, watch the motives and understand and um, the behind the voices in your life. The last thing I'll say is, church, I wanna encourage you to embrace godly love that allows for disagreement. I wanna say that again. Allow for godly love that makes room for and allows disagreement. Society right now is very divisive and it wants to divide us. It wants to say if you're vaccinated, there's a, there's a side of society that wants to say if you're vaccinated, you don't love God uh, and you've compromised in your faith. There's another side of society that says if you're unvaccinated, you don't love people and you're uneducated. And both are wrong. I believe there's a room for godly love for disagreement. God disagreed with our sin, but with our love, his love still committed to reaching us, loving us, and helping us. There was room in godly love for disagreement. His disagreement with our sin didn't isolate or alienate or push us away. It only caused him to run faster and further to us. Godly love makes room for disagreement. And if you're going to fight, church, if you're going to fight, fight to love through disagreements. And as a church, we are passionate about that, fighting through disagreements. And as a double vaccinated person, I have challenges and disagreements with both sides. And I know this, that vaccines, in my mind, are not evil, but they're also not the only answer. And I believe there's room on the side of thing. I know this, I'm not focusing on vaccines or pandemics. I'm focusing on loving people, no matter what their side, no matter what their disagreement or agreement, because we can reach people. People are not the enemy. So church, 
as we finish out this year, fight to love godly, which allows for disagreement. Love you so much. And that's all I'm gonna say for this, for this year on that. All right, let's focus on a motive and a voice that we can trust and love today, and that's Jesus, because his focus and his motive is to restore us. And that's why we're a Bible that preaches the church, not opinions or, or popular opinions. All right, you got your Bible today? Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two, verse 25. We're finishing a series today called Christmas Prayers. And uh, we thought in this challenging season, let's go through the Christmas story and pull out some prayers that launched the church, launched the greatest rescue mission of all time. And if they prayed it, we need to pray it. And if they believed it, we can believe it. And if it moved heaven to intercede and act on our behalf, then we can pray and believe for heaven to do the same. Today, in Luke chapter two, verse 25, reading a prayer of a man named Simeon. Let me start reading in verse 25. You'll see it on the screen uh, if you don't have a Bible in front of you. Jesus now, at this point in the story, has been born. He is eight days old. He's being dedicated in the temple. They're bringing him to church uh, like we had dedications a few weeks ago at church. They're doing a dedication, presenting him, presenting him before the Lord. Verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting. I like that, eagerly waiting. Not passively waiting, not just waiting for something to pass, not just waiting to get through a moment. I believe waiting is not stopping. Waiting is working is working opportunities, working your faith, working the moment. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there, as was his custom. He was always there because he was eagerly waiting. So Simeon was there in verse 28. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, here's Simeon's prayer. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. You need to know that Simeon was promised by God. His prayer was, don't let me die until I see the Messiah. I'm eagerly waiting, but don't let me die until I see the rescue of God's people because I've heard about it. I've, I've seen it prophesied. I'm believing for it, that a rescue mission is happening. God, you're at work, but don't let me die until I see the Messiah. And we read his prayer today. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes on this last Sunday before Christmas, our last live service of the year. I want to talk on this topic as we're going through Christmas prayers, the prayer of perspective of perspective. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for those that are watching live and that will watch. And today, God, we are reminded that you are good and you are with us and you're helping us. And God, we're asking as we end this year, will we end it well, unified in the knowledge that you are good and you have a mission for us. Father, I pray we would launch into the next year. Father, eagerly uh, desiring your presence and your plan for our lives. Father, bless those today that are dealing with fear. I speak peace. Those that aren't well, we speak healing. Those that are troubled, I pray that you would bring comfort. God, we love you and we pray that you would even speak to us now. We love you, Jesus. And everybody typed, <laughs> amen, amen. 
Nancy, could you get me a drink of water? Is that possible? Which I've never done on camera. I've never done on stage, but that would be amazing. Let me ask you this question. There's a, a picture I'm going to put on the screen right now. Uh, how many apples do you see? So if you're home right now or wherever you are right now watching this, just look at that, those apples there and say, how many apples can you count? Can you count them? How many do you got? I counted 11. If you're looking through the perspective of now and what you see in front of you, I think there's 11 apples. If you're looking from the perspective of tomorrow's, I would challenge you that it's unlimited. See, I did some research this week and inside each apple, there's between five and 13 seeds inside every apple. And one seed has the potential to make one tree. And one tree, a full-grown tree in a, in a healthy producing year, can produce between 600 and 800 apples. So every apple has up to 13 seeds. Every seed could be a tree. Every tree could produce up to 800 apples. Each one of those 800 apples could have 13 seeds. Inside those seeds could be a tree. Each tree could produce six to 800 apples. See, what's interesting, if you're looking from the perspective of today, there's 11 apples. If you're looking at it through the perspective of tomorrow, it's unlimited the number of apples that was in that picture. Let me ask you again, how many apples do you see? Depends on your perspective. Today, as we close out this year, I want to challenge you to zoom out, zoom out from the pressure, the struggles, even the desires, or even the preferences that you have today. And I want you, church, to look through the lens of perspective. And that's difficult. Because right now, you want to jump off the live stream and check the latest COVID numbers. You want to go check the pressures. You want to deal with what's in front of you right now. But if you would allow me a few minutes from God's word to encourage you to zoom out, to zoom out and look through the lens of perspective. See, Simeon understood this. He understood this truth, that there was a story before his life that led up to that moment. And he also understood there would be a story that would unfold after his life. A Christian faith is lived with perspective. It knows that this started before you, and it knows our lives will determine what comes after us. Perspective is very humbling. You understand that you didn't get here on your own, that people's decisions and lives and choices set up the life you are living right now. And it also lets you know the ownership of what we decide to do today. Our choices, our lives, our actions, our thoughts will determine the story that comes after for the people that come next. See, perspective reminds us that we are reaping yesterday today. And perspective also reminds us that our tomorrows are the consequences of our today. Perspective reminds you that we are just a part, an important part of a much bigger journey, a much bigger story, a much bigger picture. Today, in the middle of chaos and panic and some comfort and preferences, that there is a bigger perspective that Simeon had in this story. And I believe there's truth for us today. I believe you're never too young to think about your legacy. Whoever you are watching this, legacy is how you're remembered. Legacy is they did this, they were this, they achieved this. Your legacy, you're never too young to start thinking, planning, 
and meditating on your legacy. See, Jesus, like Simeon, understood the prayer of perspective. We've talked about the prayer of, of the heart, those things that are so close to your heart that they just they, they, they pour out of your heart. They're the closest things to you. On my prayer card, I have prayers of my heart. We talked about the prayer of obedience, what God's asking you to do, what God's saying. I, he asked Mary, would you start this journey? Would you be the mother of the Son of God? The prayer of obedience. Today, it's a challenge to see the perspective of a much larger story. See, Simeon knew it, and Jesus knew it. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in the garden, and we read this around Easter time, but Jesus, who at this time of year we're celebrating his birth now, as we look at him full grown, he's a product of these prayers, he caught the prayer of perspective. And in Matthew chapter 26, it says in verse 39, as he's getting ready to go to the cross the night before, he's in the garden and he's praying. It says, he went a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Jesus was seeing and feeling the pressure of that day. He saw that moment. He saw what was he in the middle of being betrayed, of being denied, of pain. He saw the pressures of that moment. But watch this. He goes on, he says, yet, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Right there, you saw him switch into the prayer of perspective. He was seeing the pain of today, but then he switched it and said, no, no, I choose to see the harvest of tomorrow. Because if I go to the cross, it's going gonna, it's gonna to restore mankind. It's going to bridge heaven and earth. It's going to forgive people's sins. And the prayer of perspective got him through that moment. It goes on in verse 42. It says, then Jesus left them a second time and prayed. Went back from his disciples and got on his face and prayed again. He says, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away from me right now, unless I drink it, he prayed the prayer of perspective. He said, your will be done. The prayer of perspective. His decision outlived the moment. All that us as a church would live and pray prayers of perspective, understanding that our prayers and our decisions will outlive the moment we are in. My mom said this growing up when I would go through challenging times and I had a great childhood and sometimes preachers get up here and they, they make you want to believe that they lived in the worst part of town and they had the worst upbringing. Some of them did. Um, and they want to tell you that they were the poorest kid in the neighborhood and they got in the most fights. I had a very middle-class childhood, but I've learned this no matter uh, where you live, that there's challenges for everyone. And whenever I come across a challenge relationally or schooling or, or health-wise or something, and been through a few, my mother always had the exact same statement. She'd usually sit down on my bed beside me or she'd come up next to me in the living room or in the kitchen, put her arm around me, and she said, Mike, no matter what happens today, the sun will rise tomorrow. No matter how bad it seems today, the sun will rise tomorrow. And you know what? In 46 years, she hasn't been wrong yet in that advice. Perspective, that no matter what we're going through today, and the season we're going through as a culture right now, these last 19, 20 months, it's so easy just to think we're in a moment we're never going to get out of. And even this week, hearing stories of people that got overwhelmed with their moment and they never made it through the week. Even in our city, stories I'm hearing. I want to remind you today that though the moment is real and it's tough, the sun will rise tomorrow and the prayer perspective zooms out and says, no, no, there's more than what we're seeing. There's more to be seen. The prayer of 
perspective. Simeon lived with perspective. It says in verse 25 of what we read, it says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous. That was his prayers. It says he was devout. He was faithful, was eagerly waiting. That was his actions and his choices for the Messiah to come and rescue you. Here's what I want you to remember today. You'll see this slide come up on the screen. Your prayers plus your habits equals your legacy. I'm going to write that down. If you have a Bible, I need you to write that down on the inside of your Bible in your notes. Your prayers that you pray today plus your habits equals your legacy. If you're like, I don't pray and I got bad habits, that will be your legacy. But faithful prayers, focusing on the goodness of God and helping his people, combined with faithful, eagerly waiting habits, will build for you your legacy. Church, live with perspective today. Simeon lived with a perspective where many would have stopped going to the temple. They would have stopped being faithful. They would have become bitter in their age. God was silent in that generation, silent in that time. He would have said, it's not like it used to be. God's not moving like he was. There's no point being around God's people or waiting for God to speak because it's a dry time. It's a, it's a dead time. I'm going to stop praying because he's not answering and I'm going to stop living faithfully because I don't see any progress. And many would have stopped, but because he understood his legacy and, the, and perspective, his prayers to God faithfully, his habits of eagerly waiting and showing up create a legacy where he was a part of ushering in the very move of God that rescued the world. I saw this quote this week, and I, I believe it. It says, if we see church as optional now, don't be surprised if your kids see God as unnecessary later. That hit me this week. If, if we see church as optional now, don't be surprised if your kids see God as unnecessary later. I'm committed in this season to not give in to what I see in this moment in my character, in my prayers, in my choices, but to understand that I am reaping yesterday's choices, but my kids will live off of what I do today. Perspective reminds us that today is the harvest of yesterday and tomorrow plants what we will live on tomorrow. Church, the prayer perspective. When I was a younger pastor, I didn't say a young pastor because I still feel young. Uh, but when I was a younger pastor, I was with a group of young pastors and this mentor in our life. I was in the state of Georgia and we were there for mentoring and a conference and this older mentor took a whole bunch of us younger pastors and took us to an old church. Went in and it was the church that Martin Luther King Jr. preached at. Ebenezer Baptist, such a church of legacy and change. And we sat there and our mentor challenged us and this is what she said, I want you as we sit in this church she gave us a piece of paper. I want you to plan your own funeral. <laughs> it's so encouraging, wasn't it? She said, I want you to picture your funeral and I want you to plan it. Write it down. Let's plan your funeral. And we went through this exercise. She had us pick out the songs that we wanted to be sung. We wrote down the songs, three songs we want sung at our funeral. You know what my first song was? Up from the grave he rose. Believing in faith that if they sang that song, maybe I would come back. Uh, but I wrote it down. Up from the grave he rose. Like, come on, God, do something. I had to write down the songs I want sung at my funeral. And I'm picturing my funeral. It's a, if, you've, if you've never done that, it's a powerful tool. 
I wrote down who would be speaking from the microphone, eulogizing me, remembering me, who would be sharing at my funeral. They also challenged us to write down who would sit in the first two rows of the church. Usually the first two rows is family and your closest friends. And they said, who do you want? Who do you picture being in the first two rows of your funeral? And the point of this exercise was to figure out and dream of and envision the legacy you want to leave behind. And then start today to make the choices and the actions and the prayers that would build that legacy that you would see years from now. Let me ask you, church, in the middle of the chaos that is 2022, coming into a new year, as we finish off 2021, chaos and pressure and the perspective says we are limited and we are focused on the trouble. Through the prayer perspective, let me ask you, let's zoom out a little bit. Whether you're 15, 50, or 75, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? Honestly, I'm asking you today. What do you want to be remembered for? Generosity? Love? Faithfulness? A good marriage? A good parent? Good leader? Kind? Forgiving? What do you want to be remembered for? I would say the prayer perspective would then say, then start today building that life. Simeon prayed a prayer of God, don't let me miss the Messiah. I want to live long enough to see the start of your plan to rescue God's people. They're so far from you. They're so troubled. They're so lost in their sin and their pain. God, I understand you need to do something but I'm just hanging on. Let me see the start of redemption. He said, that's a legacy I want, that I was faithful to stay in the trenches and in the journey that I was a part of keeping the church going, keeping people listening for God, watching for his rescue mission. That was the legacy he wanted. And then it caused him to go back and wait eagerly each day, which means it affected his choices, decisions, and thoughts. Let me ask you, if you want to be rich in relationships, is that your legacy you want? Rich, you want people to say they were a friend, they were a father, they were a mother, they were a wife, they were so good to me, they were so kind, they were, my life is better because they were in my life. You want to be rich in relationships? Then love through disagreement today. Because you can win an argument, but you'll lose the legacy that God has for you. I'm less interested in winning arguments and I'm building a legacy, and as a church, we're committed to that. You want to be rich in faith? Say, oh, though it was dark, though it was troublesome, we stood in faith. We believed for more than we could see. We believed that God is good, and he has a plan, and that we don't understand everything. We believe God is not man. He's not burdened. He's not isolated, and he's not limited by restrictions or distance, that God is powerful and able to do mightily more than we could think or imagine, that God with us, who can stand against us? We want to be rich in faith, then be faithful in frustrating seasons. Stay in the trenches in your home. Stay in the trenches. Stay in the game, in the fight, in your marriages, in your parenting, in your faith journey. In some seasons, showing up daily is what winning looks like. 
Sometimes winning's not filling an auditorium three times or four times on a Sunday. Sometimes winning looks like showing up. And Simeon won by eagerly waiting, just showing up to the temple and doing his duties and praying his prayer and going home. And some days, just showing up is winning. It's enough. Someone needs to hear this today because you're aggressive and you're like, I need, to, I need to see change. I need to see miracles. I need to see my business. I need to see my family. I need to see people just, we need to break records and set new trends. And sometimes surviving is thriving. Mary and Joseph took their son and they ran to Egypt. Why? Because they knew if we can survive this season, we'll thrive in the next And sometimes you need to know today that showing up daily is what winning looks like. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, win today. You showed up today. You're online today. You clicked on one more time. You're winning today. You didn't let the mood or or the announcements or the pressure, whether you're watching this live or you're watching this later, you made the right choice to win today. If you're still faithful in your marriage, you're winning today. If you're listening to God to search your heart, to, to weed out, the hate and disconnection. You're winning today. Simeon knew the power of perspective. It fueled his prayers and it strengthened his habits. All that we would have perspective, that it would fuel our prayers and it would strengthen our habits. Prayer perspective. Today, as I close, this last live Sunday of the year, we've been filling out this prayer card in our church. And I don't know if you have it in front of you or if you have it on notes on your phone. And we wrote down three prayers. And today is the last prayer. The first prayer was the prayer of your heart. It's something so dear and so close to you that you wouldn't want anybody else to, sh- to know it because it's that personal. I know what's on my card. It's usually a face. It's usually a face. Someone you love that you just want God to just help. Prayer of your heart. This season, we're committed to not just getting through a season trying to figure out the supply chain shortages. Can we have enough to put under the tree? I know this, there's no shortage. There's no, there's no lack in God's presence and his attentiveness to our prayer. So we have a prayer of a heart. We also prayed last week the prayer of obedience that God is asking you to do something. Forgive somebody. We had texts and calls and meetings this week where people said, hey, thank you for your encouragement. I just need to make that relationship brighter. God's asking me to start this or God's asking me to stop that. The prayer of obedience where Mary said, God, if you want me to be a part of this, I'm in. And your prayer of obedience moved heaven. Today, it's the prayer of perspective. Here's what I want you to write down today. Write down a few words that sum up how you want to be remembered. Again, we're believing for a long life of legacy and such a blessed life. I want you to write down a few words of how you want to be remembered. Will you do that? If you don't have the pen, will you just take a moment in your mind and just write... I want you to think about a few words. If people talked about you, what do you want them to say? What's a few words you want to be remembered for? I'll share some of mine. Faithful. Kind. Slow to anger. Forgiving. Good looking. (laughs) Funny. Great dad. Good husband. I want to write down what yours are today. Write them down. And I want to challenge you today to pray those prayers and live those choices. So in a moment from now, we'll close off this camera.
We'll finish out this dream. We'll shut the lights off in this office and walk out of here praying prayers that will lead me to that kind of legacy and make those choices. We'll go home and pick up some, probably some junk food for our kids. And we'll sit around the table and we'll do life together. I want to challenge you today, the prayer perspective, write down how you want to be remembered and pray those prayers and then make those choices and build that legacy. And as for me and my house, we want to love God and love people. I want to pray for you today as we end this year, that you would live a legacy of connected to God, close to God, and close to people. If you don't know Jesus today, and you're watching this, you don't know Jesus, you don't have a life of faith, you're like, I want to I know that I'm right with God. I want to live a life bigger than just the pressure of the moment. I want to have a prayer perspective. I want to live a life understanding that my choices today is what others will live off of tomorrow. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, church, that you will focus on the right things, that we will get the right perspective in the middle of the hustle and the pressure, that we will zoom out enough to know it's bigger than this moment. The preferences, the comfort, and the pain, it's bigger than this moment. Our children, our neighbors, our world will reap our choices. And and those of you that are far from God, you don't know Jesus, I want to pray that you start today a relationship with Jesus that will launch you into a new year with a different perspective, a different goal, a different heart. If you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus, I'm far from God. I, I'm tuning in today, maybe for the 10th time, maybe for the first time. I'm far from God. I don't know God. But I want to I, I start a relationship with Jesus. I want to just give my life to Jesus and start this faith journey. I believe there's a God. I believe that he made me. I believe that he can help me and he can lead me. If you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe you prayed it a long time ago and your choices and prayers have not reflected that life, and you feel so distant today, I got good news He's as close as you want him to be. He's right now in in the room where you are, sitting there with your kids, watching TV, your teenagers, or even by yourself. He's with you. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, you're going to see on the screen a number you can text. Text the word faith to that number. Just text the word faith to that number. Say, I want to pray that prayer, and we're just going to agree with you. But if that's you today, I want to pray for you. Let's bow our head and pray. Father, I thank you for those that are watching that are saying, "I, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. I've been so focused on myself and my, my intelligence for decision-making or my pain or my future that I don't have the perspective that there's a God that loves me, that wants to forgive me, but he also wants to lead me from this point on. God, I pray for those people today. And Father, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come into their life. Jesus, would you forgive them of their past? Would you meet them here today? And would you lead them into tomorrow? I pray there'd be a hunger to know you, Jesus, that they would feel your presence, that you're as close right now, that they may be alone watching this, but maybe for the first time in a long time, they won't feel alone. Someone might be watching this with surrounded by family and friends, but I pray that they would feel your presence right now. God, would you make yourself real? Would you come into our lives? And would you lead us in relationship? Father, I pray for the rest of our church today. I pray we'd pray that prayer of perspective, not the prayer of opinion, not the postings of aggression or or divisiveness, but prayers of perspective that we'd understand that there is a journey before us and there's a journey that will live long after this challenging season. And as for us, we will pray faithfully and live holy, eagerly waiting the goodness of God. Father, I pray for strength and comfort. I pray for comfort 
hope and joy in this season to flood their lives. I pray wherever they stand, I pray that your presence would fill them and you would help them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Church, on behalf of Nancy, our leadership team, our whole church, we love you so much. Uh, Merry Christmas. We know the new year will bring its own challenges and some amazing moments of victory. And we're committed to being faithful in that moment. And we sure hope you'll join us. Have an amazing Christmas. Have an amazing week. Do not fear. Take heart. God is with us. Merry Christmas.